It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Top shop for all your unique Phantom Sports apparel with fully licensed merchandise covering the major five sports, your favorite players, and all the teams from every major city with unique feature designs that only you as the fan will have. Go to InTheClutch.com and use promo code BellyUpMDFFSHOW for 10% off your order today with free shipping on orders of $100 or more. Again, that's promo code BellyUpMDFFSHOW for 10% off your unique fandom collection today. You're listening to the This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Welcome in, MD Nation, and thank you for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on this lovely Thursday evening, live on BellyUp.tv and on the Foxy Roku channel. Make sure you're subscribing to our YouTube so you can comment in throughout the show and download us on your favorite podcast app so you can listen to our content at your convenience. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined here tonight with my co-host, Christopher Dowhauer. Chris, we were supposed to have a, a great guest on tonight, uh, Steffi Smalls of Champion Round. Something unforeseen, unfortunately, came up at the last second. She will not be able to come on tonight. But in talking with her, it does look like we are going to get her on the show in a couple of weeks. So Steffi Smalls will be on the show at some point. I know we've been promoting it all week long, but we are going to get her on. So instead, 
I know disappointing, but instead, it is just us tonight to talk about the NFC South. I'm looking forward to this, but Chris, first of all, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. You know, we had a nice run of guests we had, so it's definitely disappointing what happened tonight, but it's good looking forward to having them come back and, you know, continue to have this nice off-season kind of review and talk about some of the guys we like on different teams, especially the, AF- the NFC South tonight. Um, one of my divisions I think is very exciting. And Tom Brady coming back is exciting, but I think the division itself got a lot of questions and a lot of things to kind of look at fantasy-wise. There's a lot of storylines heading today tonight's division. We're going to have a lot of fun. We might have some debates. We might have some hot takes. we got all the different segments set up. We're still getting you transitioned into some of the new things that are going to be coming for the in-season content for this show, which I'm very pumped for. We're going to have more people involved during that show as well when we, once we get in-season. So I'm looking forward to that, too. Let's – I don't even want to get into further ado here. Let's just dive in right off the bat because we got a lot to talk about anyway with a jam-packed show. Obvious Starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. All right, so we got our Obvious Starters, and our Obvious Starter, we're starting off with the quarterbacks of the NFC South, is Mr. Tom Brady. Now, that shouldn't be a shock. Tom Brady finishes the QB3 last year, but right now, Chris, his ADP – is QB9. I have him coming in at QB5. At 44 years old, you can't tell me it's the age. He had a QB3 performance. Some put up some of the record-breaking numbers in his career, which is saying a lot. Is it a mixture of we don't know exactly when Chris Godwin's going to be back? Is it that we think he just won't be able to duplicate what he did last season? Why is ADP so much lower? Again, I have him at QB5, so I don't have him quite as high as he finished last year, but in the top upper echelon of quarterbacks heading into the fantasy football season? I think it's a it's shift towards the mobile quarterback and kind of the unappreciation of, of those pocket quarterbacks and putting up the passing numbers. And I think we look at Tom Brady last year, a lot of people were down on him. His ADP wasn't very high going into the season either. I had the top five quarterback people kind of were like, no, he's not going to do that. These guys getting 43 years old. As you saw, he had one of the best seasons last year and was missing some of his weapons throughout that season. So when I look at this guy coming back into this year, I'm excited for what they can do. I think they're going to continue to be locked and loaded. I think the talent is around them is going to continue to be good enough to be put up great numbers. And I think it's a matter of, like you said, you know, kind of people underestimating what Tom Brady could do at 44 years old. Well, here's a couple of things with that. I know last year they threw the ball 731 times. I know that's an NFL record. Okay, so you want to surmise that, and it's not going to be that high again. Okay, maybe it's not 731 times. But even if you take off 100 pass attempts, which, by the way, I don't think it's going to be 100 less pass attempts, but even if you take off 100 less pass attempts, still talking about 631 pass attempts, still talking about one of the best quarterbacks in the league, still talking about a guy that at least, I think, after the first month of the season will have a full plethora of weapons. I think Godwin will definitely be back and rearing to go at least by October, if not before that. I do think Gronk's going to come back again. Two things we're going to talk about later on in the show. Mike Evans will be there from the jump. And the guy he wanted all along, Russell Gage. Leonard Fournette didn't go anywhere. So overall, give me a guy who's going to give me, I think, safe estimate, 650 pass attempts. I don't see why he's so low on everybody's list. And here's another thing I want to point out. This isn't necessarily fantasy football related. But this is probably Tom Brees last year. I think for the first time ever, I can confidently say, I think this is Tom Brees last season especially after we know he has the contract lined up for him to be going into announcing as soon as he's done retiring his goal was to play till he's 45 he's gonna hit that age i think this is the last season whether you hated tom brady 
whether you love Tom Brady, do yourself a favor and try to enjoy this season. Enjoy watching the greatest quarterback of all time because, frankly, I don't know if anybody will ever, or at least not for a very long time, be able to eclipse the legacy of Tom Brady. So I just want to put that out there. Not necessarily fantasy football relevant, but I think it's relevant to this conversation. 100% agree. Okay, so we, we, we both agree Tom Brady should be higher than the ADP at, at, at nine. Do you agree with him at five with me? Yeah, I do. I think Tom Brady is not only going to have fantastic numbers at the end of the season, it's one of the more consistent quarterbacks to have on your roster. And then you always talk about this a lot in the show, more about consistency. I want that quarterback particularly to be consistent where I know what I'm going to get out of week in, week out. And I think Tom Brady is always going to have big numbers. He's not always going to have necessarily you know, have seven touchdowns or something like that, but you're going to get to two or 300, 300 yards passing per game. Three, around two, three touchdowns passing per game. That's pretty much a given week in, week out. So when you can build your team around that, you definitely want a quarterback like that on your roster. All right, so we know about Tom Brady. Let's move on when we have a lot of some serious question marks throughout the rest of the division. Lock them in. It's a lock. I'm locking in. I'm locking in Jameis Winston. Now, I'm going to be moving him up. i got to update this. Right now he's in my QB 22, but I haven't moved him up. I'm going to have him closer to that QB 16, right around that mid-level QB 2 who might be a streaming type of guy. That's where I'm going to be moving him to quite, quite soon. His ADP is at QB 22 at the moment as well. Jameis Winston's a guy we know. We know he can put up top 12 performances. That's not the question. Here's the question. With Sean Payton gone... Pete Carmichael is a full-blown offensive coordinator now. Guy's going to be calling the plays for the Saints. Are they going to allow Winston to be more aggressive? Because that's the one thing last year, right? He went above and beyond to pretty much make sure he was not a turnover machine. And and it worked. It worked. He had a high efficiency rate for a touchdown rate. He was low on the interceptions, right? 14-3. But it was uber, uber conservative in his past attempts. He has now part of that could be the weapons. This year, theoretically, Michael Thomas could be healthy. You definitely drafted Chris Olave, so you should have a good weapon who's already improved over what you had last year there. Jarvis Landry is an improvement over what you had last year, too, even in his older age. So, Chris, is Winston going to YOLO it a little bit more, but probably not to the point where he was at Tampa Bay? Yeah, I don't think we're going to see this with Bay numbers, but I do think we're definitely going to see them way better than we saw last year. Uh, not only weapons considerably better this year, as you kind of pointed out, and things they've added. And guys, the veterans are our key because guys can get open, know where you're going to be for things. The receiving core they had last year was laughable. If you really look at it on paper, what they were bringing. Oh, it was ridiculous. And behind Alvin Kamara, what weapon do you have on offense even to be scared of in any kind of capacity? So I think James Winston was asked basically not to lose the game, but also try to overcome the fact that they had absolutely nothing around him. This year, I think they have a lot more weapons, a lot more of a friendly system in the sense of where they're going to have multiple pieces they can move around. So when Michael Thomas coming back, whether he comes back or not, you have an upgrade with Chris Holliday. Um, I think it's going to definitely an upgrade when you add Jarvis Landry. Whether or not he's kind of the same guy he used to be, he still can catch the ball six, seven yards down the field and get first downs for you. So I think Jar- I think when you look at Winston, what he can bring to the table, is definitely a guy who can be top 15. Now, are you going to see those top 10 numbers or you know, close to 30, 40 touchdown passes? Probably not. But I think you see a guy who can probably get you 15 to 18 points week in, week out. So a, num- a nice guy to have as an option on your bench, I think, not necessarily depend on. But if you're going to kind of have two quarterbacks in your roster to kind of rotate, I don't mind having him as an option. The, the main thing that I would be concerned about that would keep Jameis Winston at that QB 22, which is ADP, is that right now. And, and again, I want to make this clear. I don't think Winston is somebody you're going to have to draft come August. He's somebody who's going to be on my watch list who I'm looking for. The waiver wire spot. 
But my big question will be, now that Sean Payton's gone and Pete Carmichael, take, Carmichael takes over, are they going to stay at this 50-50 offensive rate? That That's the main thing. And that part, I'm not 100% sure. I don't know. Last two years, though, this team has been incredibly balanced when it comes to pass and run. And that doesn't necessarily need to change this season because they're going to have a good defense again. The only way that changes is they look at it and say, hey, you know what? We have the weapons healthy. We can go back to racking up some extra points on the board. That's going to be interesting to see, and I don't know the answer to that, and I think that will be dictated by the injuries. And real quick, though, I do think they'll be more aggressive this year because even in the 50-50 split, I think the aggression will be a key part of that as well. If they let James kind of throw the ball down the field, you have more weapons in place this year than they had last year. So I think that's going to also be a huge part of whether he can put the numbers you're looking for as well. Let's move, let's move on. Look out for. All right, we're looking out for these guys. These are the guys that, you know, maybe they're sleepers or maybe they're guys that have a lot of red flags you kind of want to stay away from. The guy I'm first going to talk about, well, really, it's the situation. is the Atlanta Falcons situation right now, a quarterback. You got Marcus Mariota, Desmond Ritter. Mariota right now, his ADP sitting at QB 30. I'm a little bit higher. I have him at QB 26 at the moment. I think people are a little bit underestimating two things, frankly. One, how much Marcus Mariota runs. So I think he has kind of has a floor from that standpoint. In fact, he's somebody, at least early on this season, might be on my DFS radar because how cheap he's probably going to be with that rushing capacity. The other part of it is that I think he's going to have a longer leash than people are expecting when it comes to staying ahead of Desmond Ritter throughout the season. Now, I do think... And just to go back to the graphic again, I have Desmond Ritter as the fifth quarterback in the NFC, my QB 35. That is a reflection of I do think Ritter will start at some point this season, mostly because I think Atlanta is going to be a really bad team. And I think at some point they're just going to throw in the towel and start playing some of the young guys to see what they have going into next season when they have to make a bigger decision about the quarterback of the future moving forward. Because I don't believe that's going to be Desmond Ritter, but they're going to have to make that call one way or another. So I do think he starts at some point this season. But, Chris, is Mariota, is there a pathway in your mind where he actually has streamability of value heading into this season, or are you staying away from him entirely? So I talked about this in Belly Up Fantasy Live with my co-host Adam, um, and I definitely am Marcus Mariota fan this year. Um, I think that you kind of pointed out the guy you want to have in DFS early in the season. I think that he's going to get a chance to kind of show himself. Now, well, maybe towards the end of the season, maybe the last three or four games, maybe he gets benched. That's a possibility. I can't argue that strongly. But I think Atlanta sucked last year. They're more talented this year than they were last year. And that team somehow spelled the playoffs. So when you look at the weapons in place, okay, you got Drake London, you got Pitts in the second year, you added another Edwards Raiders, um, you got Arthur Smith in the second year in the system, which did wonders to Ryan Tannehill. And then you look at Mariota himself. His first two years in the league, he was not, you know, fantasy gold, but he averaged about 17 and a half points per season or per um, game. Guys that were around that range were people like Matt Ryan, uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, guys who are kind of people. Solid QBs. Exactly. So, and guys who could be you know, starters for you weekends some weeks. And he had some big games that he took with the rushing. So, we put all those things together. I think this is a guy that you definitely want to buy low on and get something um, you know, maybe ahead of the game in some sense, especially with this guy, because I think legs will give him a floor. But I like the weapons they have in place, and that defense is pathetic, and a division that you're going to need to put up points. So I put all those things together. I think there's a chance for Mario to have a little bit of a seal for some people to have on their roster this year. 
We got a bit about a minute left in this segment, and we're not going to have to spend too much time on this next one. Be cautious of. I don't think at this point anybody is in the fandom or defense of Sam Darnold out there. I'd be shocked if there was. I'm pretty sure the last of it went out after how last season ended. But just in case you got swept up in the beginning of the year when Sam Darnold ran for his career-high five touchdowns in the first four weeks of the season, it ain't going to happen again. So let's just put that out there. Whether it's Matt Corral, I hear the Panthers are still kind of keeping the light on for Cam Newton, possibly. I don't think Sam Darnold's going to be starting quarterback by the end of the year what his fantasy value or analysis actually means will be the guys that we talk about in the next segment and in the the wide receiver department. So let's just go ahead, Chris, and let's just jump into that next segment. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Yeah, we're jumping right ahead of the running backs. Nothing needs to be said about Sam Darnold. But the first guy I want to talk about is on the same team, Christian McCaffrey. Now, I'm going to put this graphic up on here. If you can't, if you're listening to the podcast right now, his ADP RB five, he's my RB two right now. I have him one spot behind Jonathan Taylor. However, I might move him ahead of Jonathan Taylor by 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 the time we get to August redraft season. I'm still debating that part of it. The only reason why I have him number two to Jonathan Taylor right now is just because you can trust. Taylor as of this moment I think to stay healthy a little bit more than you trust Christian McCaffrey at this moment because he's burned you two years in a row but when he plays it's not close it's not close who the RB1 is in fantasy football when Christian McCaffrey is on the field it's too hard to ignore I know the last two years have been insane I know it's been killing people I know it probably derailed a lot of championship hopes on the off chance he plays 15 games out of the year you're going to have the RB1 on a points-per-game basis. So, Chris, when you look at Christian McCaffrey, are you going to keep him behind Jonathan Taylor just to get play that safety net? Or are you like, screw it, he's great when he's out there. I don't care about Sam Darnold. I don't care about the offense. He's your number one guy. I haven't determined he's my number one guy, but I definitely think he's in that conversation. And I think Jonathan Taylor isn't a clear-cut number one. Everybody assumes that he is. And to your point, I think when Christian McCaffrey is out there, He's clearly the best guy you could have on your fantasy roster. So when you have a guy who basically has a ridiculous floor and on top of it has a ceiling we haven't even seen in the last two years, yeah, he's got to be in a discussion. So I look at this guy as I haven't quite determined I think he's the top guy, but I think he's definitely in a discussion. And I have no problem having number two on your board like you do. Just to illustrate again, last season, weeks one through three, he was the RB3 overall. Weeks nine through 12, when he came back and wasn't 100% himself, he was still the RB8 overall. I mean, this is just who he is, and he can put it all together. I guess the only thing would be, are they going to actively look to try to lessen his workload? They talked about that last year, and then when the ground came running, they gave him all the workload. He got hurt again. Will they make more of an effort to try to lessen his workload this season? For me, the answer is no. Because there's still nobody of note really behind him. But what do you think? I think they will, but in, I don't think there's deters from him in any kind of way. So I think you're going to see a little bit. They added Foreman. They added some different guys in the backfield. So obviously they're trying to figure out a way. They drafted Hubbard last year to get a little bit of you know mileage off his body. Having said that, we see Alan Kamara be a top time scorer, not last year particularly, but before that, having split carries a lot of guys. Christian McCaffrey, because he catches the ball so well out of the backfield, 
you're going to get your six or seven catches. You get 15 carries. That's 22 touches. You're good. So when you don't need him to have 30, 35 touches, you don't need him to be out there for 100% of the snaps like he was. So I don't think this is going to hurt him at all. And I think maybe you've seen him come out in those short guard situations. Maybe there's a touchdown gets vultured here or there. So that kind of happened last year. Um, but overall, as you pointed out, so what? Didn't hurt his numbers. Even when he came back from his injury, he was you know supposedly limited and still was top eight. So I think when you look at what this guy brings to this year, I don't worry about him having less usage because I think no matter what, you're still going to get to the 20 touches, and that's all you want. I think I'm laying the chip on the roulette table, and I'm going to take him at his word that he found some secret sauce from Marshall Falk on how to stay healthy and hope that that winds up being the case. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. That's all right. We got two elite guys in the NFC South, and that's Alvin Kamara is our second guy in the NFC South, our elite running back to go with. Right now, he's at RB10 as far as his ADP. I have him at my RB7, and I'll be frank with you, he will move up for me if I can get any kind of inclination as to what the hell is going on with his off-the-field issues. That's the only reason why he's RB7. Otherwise, he will catapult right into my RB5 the second I know he's not going to be you know, suspended or anything like that. So that's the only hesitancy I have there. Last year was the first year he went over 200 carries, right? I think he had 240 by the end of the year. Took a hit in some of his target area and was still an RB1. Hopefully this season, if the Saints are going to be a little bit more aggressive with their weapons and with Mark Ingram and Tony Jones and some fashion, go back to getting Kamara more involved in the passing game, maybe a few less carries, a few more targets. I actually would like that even more for Kamara. But either way, at the end of the day, he's the number one weapon. As long as he's on the field, he's an RB1. I don't overthink it too much. Again, we just have to keep in mind for the off-the-field issues. Right now, Chris, I think the idea is that he's supposed to have this court case August 1st, and we're supposed to get some sort of inclination from the NFL at that point one way or another. Yeah, they're better. I mean, his ADP to me makes him an absolute steal. I was shocked. How many drafts and mock drafts that I've been a part of and seeing him being an error on a second round? And I'm like, yeah. Alvin Kamara in the second yeah. round? Are you guys serious right now? Dan, yeah, I'm with you. I don't, and so I hear this guy's not going to play or he's definitely going to be suspended. I see no reason that he's this far down. And last year, to me, people kind of were down his explosiveness. He was injured for Pro part of the season. And I'll go back to the weapons again. That offense was atrocious around him. All the line was banged up. James Winston got hurt early on in the season. He put all those things together. It was a shit show in New Orleans last year offensively. And now you've got some actual weapons that kind of take some attention off of Alvin Kamara. That's not going to hurt him. That's going to help him. So I think he's definitely a guy that I see moving up top seven. Definitely should be there. I would not be surprised if he finishes a top three, top five. And for me, he'll probably be in there if he does, as you pointed out, depending on that court case. Just to illustrate the point one more time, career low in targets at 67. That was his career low. He was still the RB4 in points per game last season. Lock him in. It's a lock. Sorry, Chris, didn't realize you were going to say something there. What were you going to say first? I just said Ian Book played quarterback for the Saints, so I apologize. I was just, yeah, so just don't forget that part. <laughs> All right, lock him in. Lock in Leonard Fournette. Lock in Leonard Fournette. He is the epitome of volume rules all. That is what he is. His ADP is at RB15. He's my RB10. I don't know why people think he's a high-end RB2 and not a low-end RB1. Right now, Leonard Fournette, he's going in that back-end second round. Sometimes he even slips to the third round. What else do you people need to see 
to know that Tom Brady, hey, he trusts Leonard Fournette. What does Tom Brady do when he trusts his running backs? He gives him the freaking ball over and over and over again. No, I am not concerned about Rashad White in his rookie season taking a significant enough amount away in the target department from a Leonard Fournette that it's going to matter to me. Overall, Fournette is looking at 300-plus touches, whether it be through carries, whether it be through targets, on a good offense, it's going to score a lot of points. Yeah, give me Leonard Fournette. Got it, Chris. I see. I'm on the the fence on this one. I agree with everything you're saying, and he was definitely RB1 last year, and I think Tom Brady obviously wanted him back. Um, A guy who can pass protect, which is very important for Tom Brady as well. Having said all that, the last couple of years has been obvious. Tampa Bay has been trying to figure out other options other than Leonard Fournette. And the fact that he came into camp overweight, or not camp yet technically, but had been overweight coming in. I know he says he's, you know, he's out of shape every summer. Leonard Fournette got a little sloppy in Jacksonville. That's when it cost him his career. And that's where I kind of worry about him. I don't think he's sitting a little too cute, too pretty, because Tampa Bay will move on from you if you're, you start messing up at all. And now the Bruce Arias moved on, but I do think there's still that, that kind of threat that if you mess up, you can get kind of benched in Tampa Bay. So my thing with Fournette is if you take him, I would love him in the beginning of the season, but it is a guy that I might sell high on come midseason because I do think there's a chance he's going to start getting less and less touches as the season progresses. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. So I'm not going to debate you too hard on this. I more just wanted to hit the drop more so than anything else, but Leonard Fournette, the volume's just going to be there. It's too good of an offense. I'm not worried about, I'm not going to be selling off of him towards the end here. No more Ronald Jones to have to worry about at all. They brought in Gino Bernard. When did he play? He's been looking for other options for Leonard Fournette. They brought in other options, and Leonard Fournette's the only one who winds up playing throughout entire spell anyway. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to matter. Rashad White can't block his shadow. I don't think Tom Brady is going to allow him to be back there that often for a rookie running back. We already saw this play out. Keyshawn Vaughn couldn't block his shadow. Keyshawn Vaughn is gone. I mean, I'm, he's still on the team technically, but he's out of the picture for all intents and purposes for that reason. I don't see in his rookie season, Tom Brady's last season, him putting himself in a position where he might take a punishment. I, I don't I don't see it happening. And Leonard Fournette, as far as him coming in out of shape, look, he came in 10 pounds overweight. He tends to come in 10 pounds overweight and is usually by his playing weight of 220 to 230 by the start of week one. I'm not worried about it. We saw a whole month of them sweating their balls off in Florida before he's going to have to worry about being overly heavy. And Bruce Aries is gone. Brady's not going to let him be out of shape come week one. So I'm not worried about it from that standpoint either. I don't know if you have anything to rebuttal to what I just said. No, I don't think I'm not saying he'll be out of shape necessarily week one. and We'll see. But I think he's going to be fine at the beginning of the season. I just do think that they're going to try to figure out more reasons to get other guys out there. And I think this offense is going to be more spread offense moving forward, especially with some of the weapons they added. So that's where I think it's going to get interesting to see will he kind of be that RB1 towards the end of the season. Um, but I, I can't argue taking him as, and to your point, he definitely is out there in the starting lineup. He's been in an RB1. And if you are sweating your balls off, shout out to Manscaped. Make sure you get some deodorant for your balls. All right, let's hit our next one. Look out for... Look out for Cordell Patterson. So, Chris, I struggle with Patterson. I struggle with Patterson. I have a history of not trusting journeyman running backs who pop off in their year 30 season out of nowhere, get a new contract, and then expect me to think that he's going to be great again the following year when he had never been great in his entire career leading up to that point. Here's the problem with Patterson. I think he's different than all those other guys that I've had before where I've jumped off the bandwagon. Remember, I was one of the guys leading the chase. 
don't take Mike Mike Davis. Like just because Mike Davis had that nice little stretch run in Carolina does not mean he's going to come in and light it up. And that was because Cordell Patterson came in and was very good. And it's the way he was good. It's the way he's used, which is why I think he's different than those other guys that I have stayed away from in the past. They get op- they get volume to him in the running game, but of course in the passing game too. And even if he lines up at wide receiver, most fantasy platforms this season are going to have him eligible at running back and at wide receiver, which gives him that versatility. Now, I'm ranking him primarily as a running back because, again, he still plays most of his snaps out of there, whether he's catching the ball or running the football. So I'm going to rank him predominantly as a running back. He is my running back 36. Right now, the ADP on him is RB41. I think he could be a hell of a value because we're talking 7th, 8th round in 12-man leagues right now. But what do you think about Patterson? Should we be staying away, or do you see what I'm seeing? No, I'm seeing what you're seeing, and that's where I think it's a little bit different, not just – Necessarily, the guy is so different. I think the usage is key. Um, you see a lot of guys talk about Gio Bernard, for example. People, you know, but all him up last year for Tampa Bay. I didn't want to panning out. But the idea is, if you can catch the ball out of the backfield and run a ball a little bit, you have good floor. Cordell Patterson is going to be able to be that guy catch you catch four or five catches, run a little bit here, score a touchdown. And we saw Debo Samuel have a hell of a role towards the end of the season last year for the 49ers, where he was no longer receiver one per se and getting the targets. But still putting receiver one numbers up because he's getting the touchdowns and carries out of the backfield enough usage in both the passing game. Cordell Patterson is still one of the better weapons they have in Atlanta. I think you're not going to see nearly the carries. They already talked about that considerably where he doesn't want to have those carries he had last year. No. But if you get him six to seven catches or four to five catches and then you get him you know, five to six catches or running plays, that's enough touches for a great flex option. And you put those numbers together, suddenly you're looking at an RB3, RB2 range because a lot of these guys that's what they're putting up as those shared, shared backfields so i think this is one of those guys that's definitely somebody i like more like say like a james cook for example people love him for buffalo but we look at his upside looking for passing usage well why would cordell patterson be any less useful for a guy a quarterback who's going to have a hard time getting rid of the ball down the field because off line stinks and has notorious been check, checks the ball down and then you add arthur smith to this equation so a lot of these things mix in that he's got a great upside to kind of continue to be a good flex option moving forward Look out for Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's look out for his teammate. Um, we got a typo on the graphic. It's, it, his ADP is actually RB51, not RB41. My ranking on him right now is RB50, and I will be looking to move him up as we get closer. I just want to hear that he's practicing with the ones first and that he is that lead guy behind or with Cordell Patterson before I move him up officially, but I will be looking to do that. Tyler Algier, I don't. he's not the most explosive guy. I don't think he's the most dynamic guy. 
But I do think he's there to do one thing, and that's fill the role of a Mike Davis. Now, Mike Davis wasn't good, but he got a ton of volume. I think if you give Tyler Algier that same amount of volume, I do think he's more explosive than Mike Davis is at this point in his career. We're looking at a guy that I think definitely has the upside of an RB3, maybe in the similar mold of that of a, a Damian Harris type, a Ramondre Stevenson type, a guy that you're going to be dependent on carries and touchdowns. That's what you're going to be dependent on. And what he's able to do with those carries on a, frankly, a bad offensive line. And what I still think at the end of the day is going to be a bad offensive team. But again, if he's better than Mike Davis on a similar type of volume and he's getting the goal line work, like you just talked about Cordero Patterson getting some of those carries taken away from him, that's going to go to Tyler Algier. And he's somebody right now who's going into double-digit rounds or I think will pay off for you at the end of the season or at the very least is a great shot to take late in your drafts. But what do you see with Tyler Algier? Love him. Love him, love him, love him. This is a guy I think could be a fantasy winner for some people. Um, I, I know that might sound a little you know, off the wall, but when you look at what this guy brings to the table and the fit you talked about, Arthur Smith loves his guys who get north and south. Look at what this guy did last year in college. It was second in yards uh, after contact. Um, third in big play touchdowns. Now, people know about Walker to get to Michigan and his explosiveness and speed. Algiers not known for his speed, but what shows you is this guy does not go down easy. And when you don't go down easy and you run hard, and that kind of offense with, you and I always love a mobile quarterback, add all those things to the picture with a tight end and a receiver in a slot who can kind of take attention from linebackers and safeties. you got a nice little fit there for this guy. If he gets 15 to 17 touches, people were all big on Davis last year. Davis did not pan out. Patterson did. Patterson's touches go to him and their carries, I think. And his offense, I think, is going to be a little more explosive than it was last year, particularly in the running game. I love this guy as a steal, and I think that he's going to be a guy that people are going to have is definitely an RB3 option, possibly RB2 by the end of the season. So look out for him. And just to run through the list, in case you guys don't know, Mark Ingram is, in fact, the handcuff of the Saints. Chuba Hubbard is still, in fact, the handcuff of the Panthers. And, of course, we have to look at Rashad White and what him or Gio Bernard might be behind Leonard Fournette. Now we went through the quarterbacks and the running backs. We got to hit a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to talk about the wide receivers and the tight end. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Sweaty sack summer is approaching, and it's time for you to prioritize the comfort of your crotch. That's why the kings of crotch comfort Manscaped have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. I've had the honor of testing out these new boxers, and I can say it's the softest fabric of any underwear. So breathable that it's like gills for your groin. They even trademark the jewel pouch, so you know it's serious. I think it's time you invest in your family jewels, so let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. Let's say you're on a date and your partner catches that manscape on the waistband of your underwear. It's almost guaranteed to raise some eyebrows and act like a billboard on the highway to Pleasure Town. This is thanks to the Lawnmower 4.0, the best electric trimmer for below-the-waist grooming. This trimmer offers skin-safe technology designed to trim hair on loose skin. Outside of just ball trimming, they're now focusing their efforts on helping out your thigh slappers in other ways with game-changing boxers. These boxer features include the Jewel Pouch, a pouch designed to cradle your boys in their own special space, line with perforated performance fabric and keep them well ventilated basically just imagine your balls sipping pina coladas chilling on a hammock 
on some tropical beach. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. One more time, that's promo code BELLYUPFANTASY to get 20% off and free shipping. Once the Boxers 2.0 touch your sack, you'll never go back. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back in, MD Nation, to the show. Thank you for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show live on BellyUp.tv and on the Fox Eat Network Roku channel. Subscribe to our YouTube. We'll take comments in throughout the show and download us on your favorite podcast app so you can listen to all of our episodes at your convenience. I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined here by my co-host, Christopher Dalhauer. We're talking about the NFC South. We're going through our team profiles. Chris is our third week in, so we're almost at the halfway point for the teams. We'll be done by the end of July. We have one week of vacation in there, and they'll be done by the end of July before we start getting into our August content, which will be back twice a week starting in August on Wednesdays and Thursday nights. So new episodes at 10 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays and Thursday nights once we hit August 1st. But let's get back to it. So we're giving, we're having a great time. A lot of great information coming out with our NFC South analysis. Now it's time to talk about the wide receivers. I think things get a little bit more hairy with the wide receivers of the NFC South. So let's start it off, though, with our lock them in. Lock them in. It's a lock. I'm locking in Mike Evans, baby. He's, my, he's wide receiver 10 and the ADP. He's my wide receiver 8 as it stands right now. Uh, so many typos on these graphics there. You got DJ Moore here. We'll talk about him in a second. But he's not my wide receiver 6. He is my wide receiver 16. There's a one missing there. Mike Evans, though, getting back to him. My wide receiver 8, ADP wide receiver 10. I'm only a couple spots ahead. We know that towards the beginning of the season, at the very least, he should have a hell of a target share. There's a lot of talk about when's Chris Godwin truly going to be available. Is he going to be available week one, or is it going to be a few weeks into the season? Russell Gage Yes, he's Brady's guy that he brought in. He'll man the slot. He'll be a target guy. But the touchdown guy, the big play guy, continues to be Mike Evans. Yes, have some of his efficiency numbers declined from the last two years? Sure. Do I care? No, because he still gets you over 1,000 yards. And he gets you whenever Godwin's not on the field, Mike Evans is a top five receiver. So what you might want to look at it is, is this way. If Mike Evans falls to you in that second, third round territory, maybe he's somebody in the back of your mind around week four or so you look to sell high on, or you just draft him at the proper position of a late second rounder or an early third rounder and know that, hey, you know what? You're going to ride a big wave early on, but you're still going to have, at the very least, a high-end wide receiver to the rest of the way, and you live with it that way, and you build your roster around that way. But, Chris, are you concerned at all about Mike Evans heading into next season? No, I'm actually really excited because he talked about some of the guys who won't be there but possibly the beginning of the season. And then it helps him get in the groove. The last two years where you saw Mike Evans kind of struggle at the beginning of the season, he's kind of kind of had a hard time kind of finding his niche, so to speak, other than the red zone. So I think this kind of makes him easy to know that they're going to be using him a lot in, the, in their, their um, playbook. They're going to make sure that he's kind of utilized. He'll probably move around the formations a lot more because Godwin won't be having a slot all the time. Gage does play the slot predominantly, but I think you're going to a lot of different packages out there. And then if Gronk's not back on top of everything, Mike Evans could be even higher than you have him right now because I think you look at that, you got a lot more red zone looks. So looking at what Mike Evans could be, this guy to me is obviously a high-end receiver to it at worst. Um, at best, you have receiver one. And 
if you're kind of worried about the consistency with the other mouths to feed, that's fine. But this is also guys that can win you championships. And when guys can go off, you know, every couple of weeks for you and score three or four touchdowns in the game, where Mike Evans can have a big game and has three touchdowns, that's how you have game-changing season or game-changing uh, weeks that can save your season in a lot of ways. So I look at Mike Evans as a guy that definitely be in the top 15, if not top 10 receivers. Just to illustrate the point again that he can still produce even when Godwin's on the field. Last year, weeks one through 15, he was the wide receiver nine. Godwin was the wide receiver seven. They were both top 10 guys. Again, there will be a pass-first offense. It will be an up-tempo offense. There will be plenty of volume to go around. So let's and talk Antonio about Brown was there for a lot of those in the beginning of those two. Correct. So Correct. And regardless of what you think about Russell Gage, he's not Antonio Brown. Lock him in. It's a lock. I'm also locking in DJ Moore. DJ Moore's grown on me. He was a guy that I always thought was a little bit overhyped, especially when you're trying to knock him into the wide receiver 10 position. And he was always overhyped there because he didn't get enough touchdowns. And he hasn't had the quarterback play. And now he's won me over because I now I feel bad for him. Because now it's been it's just been too long that he's been having to deal with the ridiculous, shoddy quarterback play that he's had to deal with. Right now his ADP is at wide receiver 18. Again, like I said, he's my wide receiver 16 in my ranking. And I would go higher if they had a quarterback who is any kind of competent whatsoever, but they don't. So we're stuck with DJ Moore. He's going to get you four touchdowns. He's going to get you over 1,000 yards. And if you play in half-point, full-point PPR leagues, he's going to probably get you over 100 receptions. What did we see last season? Robbie Anderson thrown to the wayside. The offense completely featured around getting DJ Moore the ball. Didn't matter if he was double-covered, triple-covered, cloud-covered. DJ Moore was getting the ball compel or high water. Why would that change? Carolina's not going to be a good team, so I don't think the volume's going to go away. Why would that change for DJ Moore? Nothing for him is going to change. He continues to put it up. Great production. Last year was a wide receiver, 19 overall, with ridiculous quarterback play, multiple quarterbacks. Don't expect wide receiver one upside, but he's as locked in as a wide receiver two as you're going to get. Yeah, I think he's pretty much like, very much like Keenan Allen as I look at him. DJ Moore's guy that's going to always, you know, not he's going to not going to wow you in the red zone, but it's always going to be consistent and be year in year out. But always probably those kind of guys where they go too high quite often, but finally they're where they should be. And DJ Moore's near enough to be a steal for some people. All right, all right. So let's get to our lookout for guys. Lookout for shouldn't be a shock. We got we got to look out for Chris Godwin, right? There are some red flags. He's coming off the ACL tear. You know, a lot of talk about. When exactly will he be back? Remember, this is something I have to keep reminding myself. It was week 15 he got hurt. It was later in the season. So even though we're talking about a clean tear, we're still talking about a short time in which we're trying to hoping that he's going to be back right away week one and be Chris Godwin. In my mind, this is my best case scenario. He's active week one. He's practicing through training camp. But really, he's not himself until probably the beginning of October. That would be my best case scenario. I think it's going to take at least a few weeks, and I can't wait for it, guys. I don't, I can't remember the date exactly. I don't remember if it was August first or August second. But we're going to have Brian Scott on from the Injuries Podcast over at Belly Up, our our medical expert. We're going to have him on for a full hour. We're going to go through a lot of these injuries. Chris Godwin is going to be one of the guys that we talk about. But that's something you have to keep in mind. These guys who had these late season knee ending injuries before you go pumping them up. Right now, his ADP is at wide receiver 20, and I'm only one spot behind that, but I have my finger on the emergency button. I have it on, on the eject button just in case we start to hear he's not practicing in training camp and he's not ready to go. 
Chris, where's your comfort level with Chris Godwin? Yeah, I'm more cautious with coming back from injury. I know there's a lot of you know, improvement with surgeries and guys coming back. You know, the clean you know, the ACL tear, there's a better chance he comes back faster. Having said all that, as you pointed out, it's week 15 when he got injured. Usually you expect about a full year for guys to kind of be back where they want to be. At least be. 10 months. Um, and now, even if he beats that timetable, look at what Tim Bay's has situation. As you kind of pointed out at the beginning of the show, this could be Tom Brady's last year. Are you going to rush back Chris Godwin? A guy pretty much is going to be your only chance to make the Super Bowl in the playoff run. So I think he's just off the pup. And I think you're going to see uh, receivers kind of eased into the lineup and kind of used more and more as the season progresses. So I am not going to look at a situation where I was higher like by Michael Thomas like we would last year. This I'm much more cautious with Chris Godwin going this year. And I'm definitely not spending a top 25 um, worth of receivers. But I think there's a lot of the options I would have in my roster before I picking Chris Godwin this year. Well, let's lump, let's lump Russell Gage to this conversation right right now. So he's at wide receiver 50 and ADP. Right now he's my wide receiver 42. I think if you're looking at half point, full point PPR leagues, Russell Gage is, especially early on in the season, is a wide receiver three with some upside because, again, we're talking about the past heaviest offense in the NFL, and Brady loves him some slot guys. And if Chris Godwin's not 100% or not out there, Mike Evans is going to be – we know he's going to play on the perimeter – Russell Gage is going to operate in that in-between area. He's going to see plenty of targets in the meantime. Do I think he's going to put up big yards? Do I think he's going to put up big touchdowns? Probably not. But the volume alone should give him a wide receiver three floor, at least while Godwin is out. So is that enough for you to take him ahead? I'm Definitely enough for me to take him ahead of his ADP. But where are you comfortable taking him? And what do you think his upside is for the season in general? At a full-point PPR, I think this guy's going to be a receiver three at the worst. Um, in half point, I think you're still going to have a guy who's going to want to receiver three, receiver four. I love Russell Gage. Now, I don't love his talent, so don't get it twisted. But what he does is he does runs great routes. He's where he's supposed to be. And Tom Brady personally recruited you. Now, you talked about Leonard Fournette's love for Tom Brady. Now, Tom Brady makes sure you came there and has a position for you and you're on the correct routes. You don't have to be great. Julian Edelman's not a great receiver, guys. Let's not get it twisted. But he was where he's supposed to be. And he did, and therefore he got fed a shitload of targets. Gage has that all written for him. We talked about the running back situation. If it's not going to be white, if it's not going to be a geo, it's not going to be a pass catcher on the backfield. We're not looking those pass catches, but now I have a receiver I trust. Antonio Brown was a receiver you trusted last year. You and I were very strong on him, but people were kind of like, oh, what's he going to be in this offense? Tom Brady trusts him. Russell Gage is trustworthy. If Brock doesn't play on top of it, oh, I love him, but he's definitely a receiver three in my book. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Again, it doesn't always pay when you are a quarterback's friend or if a quarterback wanted you in particular. It doesn't always pan out that way. It does typically pan out that way when you're talking about Tom Brady, and I'm willing to bet and on that. Receiver, Tom Brady. Is, uh, right. And, be, again, being that his ADP right now is wide receiver 50. Now, that, that may come up by the time we're in primetime draft season, but for now, he's an absolute steal and you should be taking him right around that low-end wide receiver three, wide receiver four territory. And know you got a, you got a guy that you can plug and play whenever you need a certain set floor points out of. So let's talk about our next guys here. Look out for... Looking out for Drake London right now. Wide receiver 45 on the ADP. I do think that's going to come up sometime soon. He's my wide receiver 35. I don't love the offense. I don't love the quarterback play. But outside of Kyle Pitts and Cordell Patterson coming out of the backfield, I don't know anybody else who's going to get targeted. 
Drake London is walking into a situation where he's looking at probably around the 110 to 120 target mark, and that's me being on the conservative side. So when you're looking at it from a volume standpoint, London's got to say floor, which is why I have him already inside my top 36 wide receivers, despite that it's a run-first offense, despite that it's going to be questionable quarterback play at best. The volume is going to be there. Hopefully, what happened to Kyle Pitts last year in the red zone is not what happens to Drake London, so he can be able to maintain that. But there's nothing not to like. He's got the base floor, and he does have the dynamic talent. If anything comes together, Drake London could be a hell of a steal, especially with where he's sitting ADP-wise right now. Lock him in. Lock him in <laughs> every week. Uh, he would have been top of my – I would have had him in the first segment. Drake London, I absolutely love. And now he might not quite have the same amount of numbers, but I think he's going to smell what Justin Jefferson did the rookie year. And I think that you're going to be very excited if you draft Drake London on your roster this year. Uh, yeah, can't disagree. Look out for – Look out for Michael Thomas. Really look out for, frankly, all of the Saints wide receivers. Everything is dependent, unfortunately, on do we know if Michael Thomas is actually going to come back healthy. And if he does, is he able to be a semblance of the player that he was previously to? And those are two questions, frankly, I don't think anybody has the answer to. He hasn't been out there in minicamp right now. has been excused. The idea is he'll be able to go come training camp or at least be able to get out there in training camp but it still seems like nobody really knows truly the answer right now. And it's screwing me up from being able to rank these wide receivers the way I want to rank them. Michael Thomas right now is ADP's wide receiver 21. I have him at wide receiver 22. And it also affects my Chris Olave, which right now his wide receiver 53 ADP. He's my wide receiver 41. So I'm much higher than the ADP is right now. But I can't really go any higher than that. And I would if I knew exactly what was going on with the Michael Thomas situation. So I guess the thing we have to look at is right now he's being listed as a low-end wide receiver too. So I got two questions for you, Chris. Do you believe he can make a comeback? Do you believe if he does make a comeback, he can be enough of himself to automatically overtake that number one target role on the Saints offense? I think to the second question, he could come back and take that role. To the first question he has to actually come back and play. And that's where I'm concerned. The last couple of years, we've been waiting for the day that Michael Tarkin returns and shows what he can do again. He's really difficult. I know Christian McCaffrey was one of the guys we were excited about the last few years. He struggled, and you know, what can he do again? But Christian McCaffrey, when he was out there, showed you he's still Christian McCaffrey. Right. Michael Thomas hasn't shown you that. And receivers can fall off a cliff. I mean, people kind of were down to Al Robinson, for example. Was he done? He's much younger than Michael Thomas. So when you start looking at what his receiver is, the guy who has lower body injuries, they can add up for some of these big receivers. So I do have some concerns where I'm not taking him in the top 25. I love Michael Thomas, and yes, he could absolutely finish in the top 25, but I can't see the draft capital as I know 100% sure he's going to be out there playing and healthy. If I don't know that, so your, kind of your question is, I can't spend the draft capital of Michael Thomas that high, whereas other guys like so the Corbin Sutton, for example, the guys are going to be around that range that I like higher upside, and I think there will be better money in the bank than kind of spending my draft capital on him to be my receiver too. Now, again, he's somebody who I would expect we'll get some clarity on once we get into August and see what's going on throughout training camp. But to your point, yeah, we haven't seen Michael Thomas, so we don't know if that when he's healthy out in the field, he can still deliver to the extent that he did before. It's a lot of just unknown with Michael Thomas, which I don't typically like for fantasy football. 
And I'll, I'll throw this out there, too, and why I'm not overly optimistic about this. Des Bryant, once he had screws in his foot, he was done. He was never the same guy. It's a very similar injury to what Michael Thomas is dealing with on his end. But on the flip side of that, Chris Olave, again, his ADP is wide receiver 53, much higher on that. Have him again at wide receiver 41. He could go even higher than that if Michael Thomas is hindered or misses games or whatever the case may be. Olave can play inside. He can play outside. He's explosive down the field. I think he's the perfect Jameis Winston wide receiver. We talk about them getting more aggressive on the offensive side of the ball. If they do, it's going to be because Olave is making that happen. If it wasn't for the fact that we were wondering about Thomas, but also knowing that one's going to get you know well over 100 targets, Olave would probably be my number one rookie wide receiver heading into 2022 from a redraft perspective. Had I not, if I had the answer to that question before we go into September, that's very interesting. I like some other receivers more. Now, I probably not as big on him as you might be. I think he's got some upside. I definitely agree that James Winston could fall in love with this guy and his talent. But I don't think Jarvis Langer is going anywhere. I think Jarvis Langer is going to be filling that slot position this year. And I think he's going to eat up a decent amount of targets that it's going to be hard for Chris Holiday to be in your lap week in, week out. I think he's going to have some big games. Just know when those are coming, it's going to be more difficult. One thing I will say he has going for him big play wise is. You play Atlanta twice, you play Carolina twice, you play Tampa Bay twice. Secondaries that you can beat and beat deep. Um, so I do think he has a chance for the bigger plays, but I kind of like him in that between the 40-50 range that he's at. Jarvis Landry is a guy I'm keeping my eye on. If I keep hearing good things about him and how much you know he's kind of been a, a quarterback's best friend, when he does play, quarterbacks look for him. Come hell or high water. And James Winston looked uh, for a guy named Adam Humphreys a couple of years ago in Tampa Bay. That's why he still got a paid to go to Tennessee. Um, you know, just Jimmy's will feed that slot receiver too. So I look at some of the things and kind of play. And I have Landry's probably my second receiver. I like it if Michael Thomas was supposed to come back. But Chris Olave is a guy that I think could be uh, a guy who can kind of be a game changer with his, his upside and his speed. You're kind of talking about. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Be cautious of. Well, since you mentioned him and he's going to be on my be cautious of segment anyway, I wanted to hit that there. I don't agree. Right now, his ADP is sitting at. Wide receiver 42. That's Jarvis Landry we're talking about now. I have my wide receiver 60. Unless this guy magically found a way to go to the fountain of youth, I'm not buying in that Jarvis Landry can get great separation anymore. Watching him run routes last season was hard. It was putrid. It was watching a guy in cement. I don't know. Jarvis Landry has to prove to me that he can get that pet back in his step on top of Thomas being out of the way for me to buy into that he's going to be this wide receiver three, wide receiver four that he typically has been over the past couple of seasons. Before that, of course, he was you know a higher end wide receiver two because getting all kinds of volume in Miami. But you usually draft Jarvis Landry because you're drafting a guy that you know is going to be a wide receiver three week in and week out and kind of has that safe floor. I don't see that same safe floor with the Saints with all those questions of, are they going to be more pass-happy? Where's Michael Thomas going to be at? How much are they going to feature Chris Olave drafting him in the first round? And where is he at physically in his age? What can he still do from a route-running standpoint? There's too many question marks for me to think of Jarvis Landry and really buying into him being a factor. There's no way he's going to be on my draft board. And I can hear a lot of things. I know that he has, he has struggled with injuries. That's definitely because of his but when he's been out there, usually, like I said, his quarterbacks usually look for him. No matter who the quarterback is, whether it's a bench guy, a starter, look for the guy. And I think that it matters when it comes to are you the guy in the slot, the guy that somebody looks for, 
Now, is he going to guy? I'm looking at my receiver three. I'm with you. No, he's not a receiver three anymore. Those days are definitely not something I'm banking on with Charles Landry. But where he's following at, if I have a guy who can be my receiver six, like, or five, that I can throw in there and have an option and look at some of the other guys that may be on the board, I think he's especially in full point PPR or half point PPR. He's a guy to have the best option moving forward. All right. And I'm not going to hit the sounder for the last guy, Robbie Anderson. This guy was literally talking about retirement a couple of weeks ago, had to delete the tweet. Uh, which, guess what, Robbie? If you were thinking about retirement, I wouldn't blame you. Why would I want to walk into this situation where you guys look at me? Not even I'm not even looked at when I'm wide open because you're just featuring DJ Moore so much, and I have to go in here with Sam Darnold yet again as the quarterback. Yeah, if I was you, Anderson, I don't know how much I would want to play either. So let's just move on to our tight ends. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Yes, Kyle Pitts is an obvious starter. He's a top five tight end. I'm a little bit low in the ADP. The ADP has him at tight end three, and that's more of me out of respect of I still have Kittle ahead of him, and I still have a debate between him and Waller heading into this season, especially with what I like going on with the Raiders. So I don't necessarily have him in the top three, but he is my top five guy. Again, we talk about the volume. It's consolidated around London, around Pitts. I cannot imagine a scenario in which Pitts is that touchdown inefficient again. I just don't, I don't, it can't happen. He can't go two years in a row with only one touchdown. It's not possible. So as long as that doesn't happen, Kyle Pitts should take the next step up in his overall fantasy production. And yeah, he's an obvious starter. He's an obvious elite tier guy. And you should be drafting him as one of the top tight ends. Yeah, I think he's definitely one of the top tight ends, but I definitely agree with you. I don't think he's necessarily top three for my book. I think he'd be a top five. I like Dalton Schultz a little bit more than him, especially consistency-wise. Just Dalton Schultz. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Hold on. Flag on the field. Explain yourself, sir. So my top five tight ends as of now would be Travis Kelsey being my number one, of course. Mark Andrews is on my, on my board. And I think that you have to look at this guy. I think that when you look at what he did, Dalton Schultz did last year for Dallas, and what he kind of, the role he had with Dak Prescott, losing Amari Cooper, the offense is kind of still has pieces they're looking to fit. They have Jester Rookie receiver, they added James Washington. There's no a clear idea of who's going to be that guy. Michael Gallup's still injured. So you have a lot of things in the passing game that fall to me in my mind that Dalton Schultz is going to be a guy that Dak Prescott continues to look for. In the red zone, when, when he depends on him for short for yardage in the key situations, and towards the end of that season, Dalton Schultz was one of the tight ends you wouldn't have any week in week out in the lineup. I think the other guys kind of go all over the place. Atlanta could have some issues scoring some weeks. I agree with you. So uh, they have a big running game some weeks. Um, so I think Dalton Schultz to me is in an offense that's going to be high scoring and in a position where he can put up consistent numbers. Uh, look, I don't disagree with Dalton Schultz being a good tight end. We talked about this. A couple of weeks ago, we went over the NFC East that I, I have him ranked higher than the ADP has him right now. And I think people are sleeping on him from that sense. So I'm not trying to argue anti-Dalton Schultz by any stretch of the means. But Kyle Pitts, just way more dynamic of a player who's going to line up inside and outside oh. and, be, and be featured more so in the offense. Uh, even if this offense isn't as good, if you're looking at a tight end who's getting plus 100 targets, and I'm not just talking about plus 100 targets, like 104, 105. I'm talking about like 120, 130, like elite wide receiver one level of target share. With his talent, there's no way I'm going to leave that potential on the field for Dalton Schultz. Now, if you want to make an argument to me as far as our ADP goes, like if you have 
I will I will give you this. If you tell me I have to take Kyle Pitts in the fourth round or higher, and I can still get Dalton Schultz in the eighth or ninth round, then maybe we're having that conversation. I think the difference from myself is, is going to be consistency. Now, you might, at the end of the season, Coppins might have better overall numbers because he had a few big weeks here because of the explosives you speak of. But a tight end who I can get pretty much week in, week out, probably 10 to 14 points, that's huge if you're playing tight ends in your league, I think. And a guy that's going to be consistently good in that, in that, that slot, George Kittle burns a lot of people because a lot of weeks he doesn't do shit. Now, this guy, Dalton Schultz, has not shown you that. And a guy, if he's going to get seven catches for around 80 yards and score a touchdown, we can we get an offense is going to be good. And I'll ask you, who's the second most important person to feed offensively in their passing game? C.D. Lamb and then who? It, so It could be Dalton Schultz, yeah. There's a there's a scenario where it is. And Dak Prescott, that Dallas offense is going to move the ball, I think. So you put all those things together, I think Dalton Schultz definitely has a potential top five. And I think consistency-wise, that's why I'm higher than Pitts. But when it comes to talent, you're absolutely right. Talent, talent's ridiculous for Pitts. That's going to be an interesting one. Lock him in. It's a lock. I can't wait for to put that one on TikTok. Anyway, so lock him in. Rob Gronkowski, lock him in. I know he's technically not signed right now, and I don't care. Uh, I do not believe for a second Rob Gronkowski is not going to come back and play for Tom Brady's last season. Not buying it. Okay, he just doesn't want to go through minicamp. He doesn't want to go through OTAs. He'll show up at training camp right there to ride this thing out for the last season. There's no doubt in my mind about it right now. His ADP is tight end 15, obviously more of a reflection of the fact that he's not technically signed. I already have him in as my tight end nine. He's inside my top 10. Gronk, even on a decline, is still awesome in this offense and will get touchdowns. So, Chris, are you as confident as I am, I guess, that he's going to play for the Bucs this season? I'm not so confident as he's going to play, but I am confident as if he does play that he's a definitely top 10 tight end and probably winds up being in the top you know seven because he's going to be one of those few tight ends that actually is decently consistent because you do score a touchdown consistently and you get a couple catches. Tight position, that's pretty good. So, Robert Kukowski, whenever he does come back, or he does come back, is definitely a guy you want to have on your roster if you can. All right, real quick, I want to hit one more. Look out for... Look out for the tight end situation with the Saints. Look out for Taysom Hill. I, I they, They're making him a pro bono tight end. Adam Troutman didn't quite take over last season the way I was hoping he would. But, Chris, do you think they'll actually get Taysom Hill featured as a tight end option, or is he still just going to be this gadgety player that comes in every once in a while? I think Taysom Hill is going to be the days are numbered and Sean Payton's not there. Um, I think that his tight end's usage will be kind of be sporadic. They also they drafted a cruel, the guy from Pittsburgh has been a guy I've been using a lot in camp or so far. Um Troutman kind of point as you pointed out, they still in the roster. Jawan Johnson played last year as a kind of like matchup tight end. So they got a lot of different guys they try to throw out there. This offense has never really shown they since you know hell um since Jimmy Graham moved on, they can actually feature the tight end position. I'm not touching the tight ends until I see something consistently come out of it. And I haven't seen that for a few years in the world. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's show. I hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back next Thursday, uh, June 23rd, I believe that is, at 10 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be talking about the AFC South. Our guest next week is going to be Adam LaRue from Belly Up Fantasy Live Football Edition. He's the co-host with Chris every other Tuesday night. So we're going to have him come on, talk about his Colts, talk about the other teams in the AFC South. So make sure you tune back in next week. Follow us on YouTube. 
Download our podcasts on any podcast app that you want to, and we'll see you guys then. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.